watching God use us to do the one thing he and reach those that he loves the most. You see, Jesus, even in his earthly ministry, said, I come to seek and to save that which is lost. Jesus says, I've come to do the, the will of my Father. And the will of the Father is to share and to reach the lost. In all of our uh, lives are shaped by the relationship that we have with Jesus Christ. What are you passionate about? What do you love? What is, what is your life shaped by? It may be that you love to hunt. I love to hunt. I love to fish. I, I, I was telling uh, somebody the other day, they said, Brother Kent, where do you lead more of your people? Are you, you lead people of the Lord more at the church? No. I, I've led more people to the Lord either sitting in the front seat of my pickup truck or in a deer blind. It's amazing the people that get saved when they're sitting on a boat. But you can lead people to Christ all over. And I'm going to ask you to pray with me for somebody. I've got a guy in my life right now that I'm working on. I've worked on him for a year. His name is Mark. And I just ask you to pray with me and pray for Mark that he will come to Christ. He's asking all kinds of the right questions, but he's not made that decision to trust Christ. So a question for you. Do you have somebody in your life? That you know that if they were to die right now, they wouldn't go to heaven. Anybody like that? You know that? Yeah. I, I think church ought to be a participation church. Amen? You, some of you all said, oh, me. But I think church ought not be spectator, but also be participator. Amen? See, if you participate, you walk out of here with something. If you're a spectator... You might not get what you came for, right? And so I, I want you to walk out of here with something that you will go home with and that will make a difference in your life, not just for today, but for tomorrow and the next day and the next day. And it may make a difference in someone's life around you that they'll say, thank you for that day that you told me. Because, you know, I say, why don't we share our faith? That's a question on the table today. Because we're growing in a society that doesn't share the faith of Jesus Christ. We grow up and we don't share what, what makes us who we are. You know, I have met some of you for the first time. I met Brother Jeff. And I already know that Brother Jeff's a furrier. And I know that he and I have some of the kinship because we like horses. Amen? Right, Brother Jeff? There you go. Now... Now, I'm over here, and I'm teaching Sunday school this morning, and Brother Danny, uh, Brother Darren, all of a sudden, he starts giggling in the middle of Sunday school. You know why? Because I was talking about turkey hunting. I know that if it comes April, I know where he's going to be. Amen? And so, and I'm looking back here at Brother Danny, and in Sunday school, there's... He loves public service. He spent a long time of his life in public service. Amen? And I just brushed up against some of you just for a short period of time. But all of us have something in our life that matters. And so I want you to take your Bibles with me. And I want to turn to a book. I love the book of James. The book of James is the Proverbs of the New Testament. 
But the book of James is powerful. Now, it's going to start off, and it's not going to be pleasant what it calls us, because we sometimes don't do what we're supposed to do. Sometimes we don't honor the relationship that, we're, that we have with Jesus Christ. And so Sunday night, I, I just want you to know that in all these areas that we're going to read, and, and, and I love what we do when we honor the Word of God. So if you stand with me, we're just going to read a few verses of Scripture here. We're going to start in James chapter 4 and verse 3, and we'll read down to about verse 7. And, and then we'll have a word of prayer, and we'll let the Holy Spirit have control. Amen? Hey, everybody up there, too. That's awesome. I love the choir. I mean, the, the balcony. That's awesome. All right. James chapter 4, verse 3 says this. You ask and you receive not, because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your lust. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Do you not think that the scripture saith in vain that the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? But we give it more grace. Wherefore, he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Let's pray together. Father, we come. Move our hearts for what moves yours. Father, you came as a babe in a manger. You came born of human flesh so that you could be the perfect sacrifice for our sins. That you could provide the perfect way to heaven. You are the way, the truth, and the life. Father, we ask you, as your son is speaking to our hearts, that we yield our lives. Father, we need you tonight. We need you to go past our our resistance. Father, help us not to hold you off at a distance, but Father, help us to embrace you solidly. Father, help us to wrap our arms around you like you do us and just hang on for the moment. Father, we ask you that right now that as we seek your face, for the thing that you love most, and that's souls. Father, I pray that you give us your passion. You give us your desire. Give us your boldness. Give us your confidence. And Father, we'll praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, you may be seated. In James chapter 3, one of the things that a lot of times we in our prayer life, if we, aren't, if we don't get real in our prayer life, we can sometimes just kind of mess around. We get our grocery list, don't we? We get our, the, the grocery list of what we're praying for, and we don't even let the Holy Spirit guide that. We've, we've made the list, and I'm following my list. Now, I'm a, I'm a gatherer. I'm, I, I, guys are gatherers, I, you know, for the most part. When I go to, if my wife sends me to Walmart, I say, what do you want me to get? I don't go to Walmart to walk up every aisle, to make sure there's not something in another aisle that I need. 
Now, you ladies, you will do that. You'll go into Walmart with this idea that there's something in the aisle that you might have missed. And you're going to find that thing you're missing because you're just going to go through it. Or you may go to the grocery store and you go to this first lane and you go through it. And I I ask my wife sometimes, I'll go with her. I said, why are we in this lane? It is not on the list. There may be something over here we need. And I'm like, hang on a second. We, you said these five things is what we need. That's what I come for. I'm a gatherer. I want to go get and get out of here. That's what I like to do. And, and in a lot of times in our life, we, that's how our prayer life is. God, I've made a list. Here's my list. Thank you very much. I'm going to spend time on these and I'm going to get up and I'm going to go do what I want to do. But the problem is, I didn't even ask him. Well, he thought I needed to be talking about. Have you ever just stopped and said, Lord, it is as good to be in your presence and be still and know that he's God and not talk. You know, we're good at talking. We, we are. Even people that say, I don't like to talk, you're pretty good at talking. You get on the right subject, you can burn the ear up. Everybody has that ability. And what the fascinating thing is, is what happens is in our prayer life, if I'm not careful, I tell God what he, what he needs to be doing, and I go do what I'm going to go do. And, and you know what the problem with that is? I'm not God. I need to be asking God what he wants me to do, how he wants me to do it, because the very first thing is, is that a lot of times when we start talking about sharing your faith, Oh, now, Brother Kent, that's a tough one. Let me ask you a question. Now, you've already said you're willing to participate in church, right? I'm looking across this auditorium. Some of you are like, man, what is this guy doing? How, and just by a show of hands, how many can talk about the weather? Come on. Some of you lying in this room. Some of you are like, oh, I ain't put my hand up. He's going to get me to come up front. I'm not going to pull anybody up front. But I want you, is it easy to talk if it's hot outside? It is. How about if it, how many can tell me, did it rain yesterday? Yeah, it rained yesterday. I was telling somebody out in the, in the lobby, I said, you know what? I've seen something yesterday I hadn't seen in about eight weeks. What's that? I said, rain. Because where we're at in Houston, it ain't rain in six to eight weeks. And I mean, it was nice to hear the, the roll of thunder, you know. It was nice to hear that. But we, you can talk about the weather, right? Now, how many of you collect antiques? Anybody like that? Hey, there you go. Some of you are being honest about it. And you're like, why is he asking about antiques? Because everybody in this room that rubs up next to you that wants to talk about antiques, you can talk about it. Amen? Especially if you've got certain glass that you, you, you like. Amen? Or a certain plate. Or a certain artist. You know, the interesting thing is that James is just trying to tell us to get on topic. That's all we're trying to talk about tonight. And the most valuable thing to Jesus Christ isn't the weather. It's not your hobby. It's not even your church. You've got a great church. I'm just telling you, this is an awesome church. I look back and I saw 
all the people you have inquired? Let me just tell you, that's a blessing. And they can sing, doing a good job. I sat out in the lobby and just sat there in the chair and just, whew, I could sit here all afternoon. It is that good. Enjoy it. You guys are blessed. But God's not asking you to talk about your church. You know what he's asking you to talk about? What he gave you. The most valuable thing. Interesting studies done by Jesus Film Project. Jesus Film Project asked 1,600 plus individuals that say, I know Jesus as my Savior. And they asked them for the top reasons why they don't share their faith. And now these are, I just took the top four. They had about 15 or so. I just took the top four because when you get down to, you know, past 10, it's like, eh, but I, I took the top four. They made sense to me. So the top four of this Jesus Project, and they asked 1,600 plus people. Now, that's a, that's a good number of people, right? Yeah. So in the very first one, the very first reason it says, what, uh, uh, what prevents you from sharing your faith? Here's the first reason, fear. Fear. Man, if the enemy can get us scared, he's got us. And if we're scared to tell others why I love Jesus, the enemy's won. You know, I, I don't have a person, I, I'm not scared because there's a hundred different ways you can turkey hunt. There's a hundred different ways you can deer hunt. There's a hundred different ways you can keep bees. And I love to do them all. And if you ask beekeepers, you say, how do you do this? And you ask a hundred of them, you're going to get a hundred different answers. Guaranteed. You ask a guy that calls turkeys and you'll ask, do you like slate or do you like a box call? Do you like a diaphragm call? They'll all tell you a different story. But fear, I don't have any fear in that. But you let somebody that I care about not know Jesus Christ, all of a sudden the enemy's got us scared to tell them about the greatest thing that's ever happened to us, and that is the faith in Jesus Christ. Fear. The second one is the lack of opportunity. You know why we don't have the opportunity? It's because we don't take the opportunity. The lack of opportunity is because we don't ask the Father. The Father tells us if we lack anything, let us ask. And he gives us. He tells us to ask all of these things. And we are in that mode. And number three says there's nothing. Just nothing. I'm just lazy. There's nothing there. And the fourth one says, un- unequipped. And you know, that was the one that made sense to me. Are we equipping people with a plan of salvation? Do you, can you take somebody through the Bible, the, the few verses, and show them how they can know Jesus Christ, that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God? Can you show them that we, that Jesus has given us the, the, the gift of eternal life, that our sins have cost us everything, and, and Jesus is the answer for it all. But you know, that's also, that unequipped is, that is not, you know, my son's a police officer. And we're standing one day at a, we do a big toy drive in our, in Channel View. And we organize this, but at the toy drive, I have to have officers. And uh, so we're standing there, and my son is 
running protection for us. And, and there's crazy stuff that happens when you put 500 people in a, in, a, in a gathering. And so we're standing there, and one of the firefighters walk up, because I'm a chaplain for the fire department, walks up, and he says, you're his son, huh? You're Kyle. He says, yes, sir, I am. He said, if your daddy was speeding and you pulled him over, would you give him a ticket? Kyle smiled great big, kind of leaned back. He said, you bet I would. And I said, you give your dear old dad a ticket? And he says, yes, I would. He said, because if I won't give it to you, why should I give it to anybody else? And I went. And the guy goes, whew, that's cold. And I thought about that. You know why I'm, I know the laws of speeding. And why shouldn't my son give me a ticket? If he's going to obey his responsibility to slow people down and obey the laws, right? Unequipped. Guess what? The only reason you're not equipped How many of you have a Bible in front of you tonight? Raise your hand. You know that Bible is jam-packed full of ways to tell people that Jesus loves them more than they love themselves. You see, the first thing I want you to see is that there is a problem among believers and a persistent difficulty discarding or parting with possessions because of perceived need to save them. We're like, what is that? Well, that's easy. That's a hoarder. Why do we hang on to the grace of God? Why do we hang on and not share the grace? You have it in your lap. You have it on your tablet. You have it on your phone. You have it everywhere. All you have to do is share it. You see, the, the other thing that we want to share with you is there's a define, defining an element, defined as evaluating one's opinion and thoughts above God's authoritative word. Does God tell us to share our faith? Or does God tell us to keep all of it that we've got and hang on to it? Somebody help me out. What's he tell us to do? To share it. You know what that is? That's pride. To be defined as evaluating one's opinion and thoughts above God's authoritative word. When we read the book of James, James very clearly tells us that we, we need to share our faith. Now, there's some things that will stand in the way of our faith, and the fear is the one that we've got to watch out for. But I want you to notice that in 1 John 2.16, it says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but of the world. All these things will keep you from sharing your faith. Also, in Psalms 10.4, it says this, The wicked, through the pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. You see, 
We can talk about our hobbies. We can talk about our job. We can talk about the weather. We can talk about the things we love to do, the things that we love. But where is the grace of God? Where is the passion for sharing the faith in Jesus Christ? I love what Psalm 73, 6 says, Therefore pride compresses them about as a chain. Violence covers them as a garment. It also says in Proverbs 16, 18, Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And we've quoted that verse a lot. But when pride is engaged in our life, we we will not share with others that what the most powerful thing that changed the course of our eternity. And by the way, before you think that there's no eternity without God, guess what? There's all eternity. There's eternity with God the Father or eternity separated from God in hell. And before someone said, well, there's some people that deserve hell, hang on a second. God was never, God never made hell for man. He made hell for the angels and Satan. That's, but he's had to enlarge it because men have rejected him. And he's had to enlarge hell because of that. You see, when, why we don't share our faith? Maybe, just maybe that fear that we face is in, found in James chapter 4 and verse 7. I mean, in in verse 4, it says, we are friends of the world. Do you know more about the world? Are you friends more with the world than you are with the, the things of God? Well, guess what? It makes it harder to share your faith with somebody if you're doing the things of the world. It's really hard to share your faith if you've just told an off-colored story. It's really hard to share your faith if you're doing the things that the world says are acceptable. It's really hard to share your faith if you're agreeing that we're going to participate in the things of the world and then you say, oh, Greatest thing I have in my life is Jesus Christ. They're like, how come am I getting salt water and fresh water out of the sink? That can't be. Are we friends with the world? Do I know more of the world's music than I know of gospel music? Do I know more of what happens in the world than I know what happens in the Bible? Do I know more? Where is my friendships at? Do I have more friends that go and do the things away from church than I do that come to church? And by the way, you need to have friends to witness to. You need to have relationships that you can share Jesus Christ with. You need those friendships. But where? What's more important? Do you think that the scripture saith in vain? Let me back that up just a little bit. 
Do you think that the scripture saith in vain? You see, a lot of times when we read the scripture, we think, oh, that's just talking to somebody other than me. No, the vainness of the scripture is only because we see it that way. The problem is, is that we have to look at what the scripture says and why we don't share our faith is because we are friends with the world or that the scripture is vain to us. It doesn't have an effect. It doesn't have its power. Now, if you've been saved any time in this room, you remember the first time you were, that you accepted Christ. Let me take you back there for a little bit. How excited were you right after you got saved? Did you have somebody tell you, calm down? Don't get so excited. Relax. It'll be okay. Can I tell you something? Don't relax. And don't calm down. Because the greatest thing that ever happened to you is a relationship between you and Jesus. And the scripture is powerful and it does away with the worldly things. And what happens is we just got to put the scripture back into perspective of what we see. And the other thing that it says, it says he gives grace. God gives grace in this very moment. Yeah, we all are going to fail. We all are going to come up short. We're all going to not to find, and that's exactly what it says in, uh, when it says in verse 5, Do you think that the Scripture saith in vain, that the Spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? But God gives more, giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resists the proud. He resists the proud. But do you know what he does? He resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. When I humble myself, and you know what humility is? This is my desire. (coughs) This is my desire. This is God's desire. And when I humble myself, I say, this is my desire, but Father, it's right here. I'm humbling myself. I'm going to give you the right to say and do whatever you want to in my life. Doesn't matter what your age is. Doesn't matter young or old. Doesn't matter. Are you humble? Because you know what pride says? This is where I'm going to be. I get to go first. I'm reading a very incredible book. It's wrote by a general. The title of the book is Leaders Eat Last. And he's going through a process of teaching us as leaders how to recognize when we put ourselves above those that we are leading. You see, Jesus says that if we're going to be the greatest leader, we're going to be the last. We're going to hold the door for the last person to come through. We're going to let everybody else eat, and then we're going to come in and eat. I remember my grandmother. There would be all the cousins and all the the family there, 
And my grandmother's cooked and cooked and cooked, and she's got everything on the table. She's got the fried chicken. She's got the grits. She's got the greens. She has everything on the table. I mean, fried potatoes. There's everything on the table. And everybody sits down and begins to eat. And you know where my grandmother stood? Over by the counter. You know where my grandmother ate? My grandmother didn't eat until the very last person got done. And then she'd make a plate and she'd eat. And I asked her, I said, Grandma, why aren't you eating? She says, I'm making sure there's enough for everybody. Because there had been times in her life there hadn't been enough. And she wanted all of us kids to have enough. The Leaders Eat Last is a powerful book. And it's teaching how that leaders don't push, but they lead by example. God resists the proud. Are your desires... Over God's? Or are you humble? God's desires become your desires. You relinquish your desire for God to have the strength in your life. You see, not only does God resist the proud and he gives grace to the humble, but he also tells us there's three key areas. And this, we do pretty good on two of them. See, we, we kind of quote things out of context as, as believers. We find a verse in James chapter 4 and verse 7. We'll quote James chapter 4 and verse 7, but this is what we leave off. We leave the very first line off. This is what we, a lot of times you'll hear quoted. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. I've heard that quoted forever. But when I looked at James chapter 4 and verse 7, and I saw the very first thing that's going to make me have a desire to share my faith, the very first thing that's going to happen is that I'm going to have to submit myself, therefore, to God. We want to submit ourselves, and that's part of that humility. When we get humble and we get under God, I submit myself. And the book of Ephesians tells us, husbands and wives, we submit ourselves one to another. Why is that? So that we can have the relationship that we're supposed to have as husbands and wives. You know, I want a relationship with Jesus Christ that's second to none. I want to hear my, my father say, well done, that good and faithful servant. But the first thing I have to do is take my ideas my thoughts, and my everything, and say, God, here, I give them to you. I'm submitting myself to you. Second thing is resist the devil. You know, the amazing thing is, I've, I've kind of shared with you a little bit about my life and how I grew up. But I grew up on a farm, and, I, and part of growing up on a farm was that I loved to trap. I loved to hunt. And one of the things I learned about trapping is this. Whether it's a bobcat or whether it's a coon or whether it's a mink or, or it's a muskrat or 
whatever I'm going after, whether it's a coyote, whatever it is, whatever the animal is, they have something they like to eat. They like certain bait. They have certain things they like to smell. And I would bait a trap. I would not bait a trap for a coyote with sardines. Just wouldn't do it. Because I'm going to catch a, I'm going to catch a coon or a mink every day. But if I'm wanting to catch that, that coyote, I'm going to bait that with his scent. And then I'm going to put a piece of deer hide or a piece of deer meat. And that coyote can't resist because his bait is right there. And by the way, as I stated this morning, the enemy, if you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, the enemy already knows your bait. He knows what you like to eat. And he is coming with your bait. He wants to trap you. He wants to hold you. And he wants to have you the way in your sin and the trespasses against God. Because if I'm going to share my faith, the number one reason that the fear that somebody's going to think something about me or my sin is out in front of me, I can't talk about Jesus because I'm caught in my sin. You know, the interesting thing is, is to resist the devil is to resist what he lays for you. And by the way, I know I'm kind of dating myself on this, but Flip Wilson, he used to say, the devil made me do it. Well, let me help you with something. The devil can't make you do anything. It's a choice on your part. You'll think about it. You'll think, oh, I can't do that. You'll think on it. And you'll justify it. You'll rationalize it, and then you act on it. Resist the devil. So we submit ourselves to God. We resist the devil. And guess what he has to do? Because not because I'm powerful. It's because who is in front of me? Who's in front of me? Just like this morning... When we had the three guys up here representing God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. I want you to imagine God the Father standing in front of me. God the Son that gave his life for me. And God the Holy Spirit that has sealed me unto the day of redemption. When I submit myself to God, I walk, under, I walk behind him. And let me tell you, Satan doesn't have power over God. If I submit myself to God, I resist the devil. Satan has one recourse, and that is to flee. So my question as we started, why don't we share our faith? Are you scared? 
is a lack of knowledge. Hard to get on topic. I want you to think about something real quick with me, if you will. And we're just about through. I've never been in a church that said they didn't want to grow. Right? You want to grow? Amen? Everybody wants to grow? Amen? Right? Okay, participation time. This calls calls for, if you want to see the church grow, it causes your hand to do this. There you go. Amen. All right. All the the way across the auditorium, every hand was raised. You You want to see this auditorium packed in one year? Put somebody next to you that's not here tonight. You will double in size. You got a year. You got 12 months. You got 52 weeks. You got 365 days to put somebody else that's not here tonight sitting next to you. This church will double. And it's called share your faith. Tell your story. You're not telling them something you don't know because it's already what you do know. You know how you came to Jesus Christ. You know how he changed your life. You know how he transformed you. You know this. And you know the power of what he did in your sin. You know. Even if I don't know your story, it doesn't matter. You know your story. You know the power of God and what it took for you to be saved. Even if you got saved when you were five or six, you still know the power of what Christ did in your heart. You may have got saved last year. You still haven't gotten over it. Amen. May we never get over being saved. May it always be the power that moves us. May it be the thing that makes us Change the complexion of this church by putting somebody next to you. Wouldn't it be awesome if there wasn't enough places to sit down here? Amen? (laughs) Just checking. Wouldn't it be amazing if the balcony was full? Amen? I'm one of the guys that goes, it can happen. And it's simple. We have 365 days. We have 52 weeks. And we got 12 months. Get it done. You can do it. And it's not because I say you can do it. It's because the Father says you can do it. Greater is He that is in you than He that is in the world. Why don't we share our faith? Maybe we haven't submitted ourselves to God. Maybe the devil's winning us. He's got us trapped. He's got us all chained up. We've got, a, we've got a hold of the bait and we're not letting go. But if you submit yourself to God and you resist the devil, he'll flee. The Bible said it. That settled it. It's done. At the very beginning, I ask you to pray with me. And I'm, going to, I'm just going to bow here in a moment and pray for Mark. I want to see Mark saved. Mark is in his 50s. I want to see Mark saved. A couple of years ago, I was praying for Carlos. And Carlos, he got saved. And we got to see him baptized and 
got to see him married to Miss Jade, and now they've got a little baby Ivory, and, and they're coming to church. You know what? That's what it's all about. So my question is, would you just pray with me for Mark? You raised your hand a moment ago that you might have somebody that you know that's not saved. I'm not asking you to do anything, and I'm not promoting anything other than this. Would you just join me in praying for those in your community that is lost, that need Jesus? Because prayer changes things. Let's stand together. Father, we come. Our hearts are moved to you. Father, we want you to have your power and your might in all of our lives. Father, I ask you that right now, that in this moment, that in a few moments we're going to have an invitation. And Father, I just pray that we will pray for the lost, that we'll pray for those that we know that do not have home as their heaven. Father, we ask you that you would speak to every one of our hearts, that you would change our minds about what you're able to do. Father, that you will place in our heart and our mind the things that you desire of us. Father, help us to humble ourselves before you. Help us to submit our ways. Help us to resist the devil. And Father, we'll give you the glory for all that you do. And we'll praise you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.